Well, um, welcome in to the latest episode of Pod to Survive. This is a preview episode. Um, we give you everything you need to know, a little sneak preview for this weekend's Grand Prix. And this weekend is the United States Grand Prix, where me and Jonathan hail from. Um, it is in Austin, a city we both enjoy, at least I enjoy being in. Um, was bummed I'm not at this race, but I'm psyched to talk about it and even more psyched to watch it this weekend. Johnny, what are your thoughts? Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing. Um, that was terrible. <laughs> I, I, um, I'm super We're excited. Lights out. We're lights out. Uh, lights out in a way. But um, no, I'm stoked for Austin, Texas. Um, this is the first pod that we've had for an American race. And it's, it's, um, it's fun to see all the drivers all jacked up to be in the U.S. Um, I, I, my, my boogity, yeah. boogity, boogity was from NASCAR, but Daniel Ricciardo did it today in a press conference and like all the european drivers are laughing um it was pretty it's pretty funny the way they like (laughs) the way they treat like american culture what they perceive it to be in texas which is just such a funny place for them to um kind of get a taste of america through is like what is it like in in texan culture um of course it's austin which is not even like deep down texas but um yeah fun race to cover Oh, super fun! I, he's he's in his uh his cowboy hat and his cowboy regalia. We were sending memes back and forth. He's looking great. Um, what, he's got the mustache all shaved. The 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 crazy look. Uh, McLaren's. The, I feel like McLaren is low key the the American team in Texas. I, do, do you have any dispute on that? I, I feel like with with Zach Brown kind of calling the shots, they've got like for sure American ethos to a certain. Degree. Yeah, I think I think um. You're, you're totally right. I think today there actually was stuff released for like formula one fan bases where, where, where the, the, the organization like did fan polls. I don't know if you saw that. And McLaren was the most popular team from all the voters, which I was surprised that that's above Ferrari, Mercedes. Of course, this is like a, whatever, I think it was 350,000 people polled, but that's a pretty surprising thing. Cause I would assume they'd be third or fourth just because of like the historic nature of Ferrari um, and then how successful Mercedes and rebel have been in years past, but you're right. I think, um, they've done a really good job of marketing their team. I also think that, that Zach Brown, like you said, him being the CEO of McLaren racing, but also having his hand in the pot for IndyCar chase, he's out in America on a, on a semi-regular basis for kind of the American schedule of, of IndyCar racing. Cause McLaren has a couple of cars in that series. Um, so I think that helps too, is just the, the name recognition because IndyCar, I know this is a formula one podcast, but, but IndyCar still shows on some major networks. Um, and, and they've had some growth in that sport in the last 10 years. Oh, hundred percent. I think a lot of it has to do with the drivers. I, I think, um, you've got two guys with like great names, great looks, great personalities and Ricardo and Lando. Um, I know Ricardo, especially like most of my friends that are getting into it, gravitate towards him. So I think ultimately he has a lot to do with it, but it, it's great to have, um, yeah, a team with Zach leading it where he's he, he's an American guy, and hopefully we can get an American driver on the grid, um, hopefully soon. Yeah, I don't know when that'll come. Um, it's been a long, long time. I'm trying to remember, obviously, you have, you have Mario Andretti, um, but you don't have like a long line of successful American drivers in Formula One. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this this show, um, I, I don't want to keep harping on it, but Drive to Survive and just the re- 
the kind of uh, revolution of people tuning into NASCAR to F1, sorry. Um, NASCAR is obviously huge already, but F1 <laughs> having the, the sexiness, um, I, I think it will recruit a lot more um, kids to kind of get into racing. Um, so we'll, we'll see if that has any staying power. It's hard. It's not like a, a sport where it's easy to break into. It's a 20 drivers. Um, the most difficult yeah. pro sport, I would say, in the world to break into. But um, mm. uh, it, hopefully we get an American just for the money alone, because a lot of these guys are just paid drivers. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's such a difficult sport to get into just because of the cost. I mean, it's more expensive than, I mean, people say that golf is tough because of because of money and courses and stuff like that in training. But but Formula One and race car driving, um, Formula One specifically, like you're not in some dirt track in the middle of Alabama, kind of riding around an oval. Like you're doing hardcore go-kart racing mainly in europe um by the age of like 10 right i mean these guys you had you had george russell and lando norris like get on the f1 stage at like 17 18 years old you know and they're a top 20 driver in the world wow. so like yeah it's incredible that's why the stories of like lewis hamilton who didn't grow up with as much money as like a nikita mazepin or uh, a latifi or any of those paid drivers you're talking about guys that just really loved go-kart racing and were extremely quick and their parents um, kind of put together what they could um, to make it happen. Even that Schumacher documentary, Chase, they talk about how he had to get like a local investor to fund Michael Schumacher's rise through go-karting because his family didn't have enough money. So I, I hope so too. Hopefully people will, hopefully young kids in America will, will consider the F1 route um hopefully they they do it properly and don't just get like reckless driving uh uh tickets across the across the country because we have no <laughs> access but yeah that that's awesome let's 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 avoid that all right um i think we want to start off talking a little bit about next season and the new car for 2022 um what do you think is the main focus from uh f1 and what they're trying to achieve with these with this car yeah, I know we've mentioned it on the past couple of podcasts. Um, just for just for the listener, I mean, the this is the last year of the hybrid era. So the the car that you see on your screen on your Instagram, um, the Formula One car, it, it's going to be totally different next season. Um, the main focus for the 2022 car development was to get rid of overtaking difficulty in dirty air. Dirty air is basically following the lead car. So for the last, call it 10 years, cars like Mercedes um, have gotten off to incredible starts literally in the races and have had clean air and Chase has been in dirty air technically, and they just can't get enough downforce and, and ability um, to pass the cars in front of them. And it just, it just makes overtaking so much harder. So this is a good improvement for the viewer. Um, and, and there's a couple of ways that they're doing at doing that. Um, They've changed the front and rear wings. They look like if you look at a photo, and I and I suggest that everybody looks up 2022 Formula One car, the mock-up that they presented. But the front and rear wings look totally different. They look like a wave. Um, and we'll see how how it's going to progress year in and year out. Just like any time they introduce a new car, so this will be something for somebody to look at. Is it's going to be a lot of growing pains in 2022, but all the drivers are starting at the same exact point, you know? Um, so 
right now they're 18 inch wheels which are mega compared to what you currently see it looks like a kind of a badass formula one car almost like a futuristic concept but it's going to be for next year so 18 inch wheels um the front and rear wings are are like a wave like i was saying so they're all bent um and then they actually yeah, it's pretty sweet actually yeah it's yeah, it's really cool like a, it looks very aesthetically sweet i think the wheels are really cool like it, it just makes the car look so much bigger um It'll just be interesting to see what 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 the strengths are next year. Again, the the main focus of this car development is to get rid of overtaking difficulty, and also there's a major financial cap component to it too, where teams are not allowed to spend an astronomic amount compared to the say middle tier teams, i.e., Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, McLaren um, can't just continue to spend. 80 million, 120 million dollars on all the best talent in their garage and then just leave Haas and Alpine and you know all the other groups AlphaTauri you can't just leave them in the dust to spend 20 million dollars it's just too big of a competitive advantage so they're doing some financial constraints too for next season that hopes to have some more shakeup um so yeah I'm I'm excited about the 2022 car you you you've taken a look at it um, yeah, I mean, aesthetically, it looks awesome. I know, yeah, having having less dirty air is, is going to be great for racing and more racing um, happening on the grid. We've, we've seen a few races in this season where it's just like not much happens through 20, 30, 40 laps. And you're just sort of like, ugh, I, I mean, it, it's hard to pass. It's just it's it's hard to gain that ground. And this this should be very helpful for that. One thing I wanted to note on some of the cap limitations, it's funny to note where like teams like Red Bull, which does not have a car manufacturing component to their business. Obviously you have a Mercedes, you have um, a McLaren, a Ferrari where they actually sell vehicles commercially. So a lot of the R and D that they put in the money they put in, they can kind of hide in the cap table as R and D for their, their commercial vehicles. Um, Ferrari can Mm -hmm. easily say, Oh no, that engine design money that we were spending, like those hundreds of millions of dollars that that had nothing to do with our F1 car. That was for the latest Ferrari release to the public. So I, I get from Christian Horner's perspective, how he's a little concerned where every dollar he spends is going into the track. Not every dollar, um, that these big manufacturers that have teams spend, will necessarily be going towards formula one, but it makes it easier to almost launder money through, um, to their teams. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And, 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 um, you know, there's more to learn. Like, uh, if you look up the 2022 regulations, we're really not going to understand it until teams really start to play with it. Right. So, so just like this year's car, and, and this is what makes the off season pretty interesting and the preseason testing, um, when when all the teams get their regulations for what they can build a car based on, you're going to start to see like this year. You know, the first four races, you saw uh, Red Bull have a different front wing. You know, you had McLaren have a bit a different diffuser in the back of their car, and the other t- teams start to look and say, "Is that where they've identified you know a, a mechanical advantage?" And so it'll be very interesting to see what they do with the 2022 car. Um, but 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 additionally, like I was saying, um, the initial feedback from and and this was from Lando Norris because because they do a bunch of eye racing and like simulation testing for this new car for next year is that the car is not super pretty to drive. It's not super easy to drive in comparison to what Lando's raced with his entire career. 
you know, this hybrid era has been the majority of the formula one guys entire careers. So next season, you could see some of the biggest talents have a really difficult time, you know, coming to grips with the new regulation. And you could see some incredible drivers, i.e. Carlos Sainz that we've talked about, who's really adaptable, you know, with new, with new cars as he's moved four times. Like he could be a guy that because of his nature to adapt pretty quickly could have a really good start to the season, but who knows? It's such a, it's such a question mark for what this car is not only looking like and what teams do with it in the off season, but also, who's going to be good next year, which is super fun. Like it's a new era of formula one, a lot of really great racers, but they're all going to technically start at the same point next year. And I'm really glad that Lewis Hamilton, by the way, didn't retire, you know, um, and that he, and that he's going to go on. Cause some people were saying chase that Lewis was going to retire because he didn't want the uncertainty or the potential damage to his legacy of having the 2022 car change be something that for some reason, his driving style couldn't accommodate you know what i mean so it's cool that he's saying screw it like i'm going to yeah. continue to try to win um that- no i love it. that's why that's why you got to love him he's a racer's racer like as much as we like talk about like these pay racers like he he's a guy that just has has built a career on on making it happen and, and obviously he's benefited from mercedes and that partnership but he's a he's a great racer that knows exactly um what his legacy means being the only the first and only black driver in the history of formula one to be that guy and to be so successful. Like he has a lot on his shoulders and I'm glad he's always up for the challenge. Cause he, he's never backing down on a fight on the, on the track or, or off the track. Yeah, I completely agree. He's, um, he's, he's fun to watch and it's kind of like Brady going from the Pats to the bucks. It's like, can he still do this? Is, is Belichick the reason why Brady won and, and, Tom wins a championship, you know, so very interesting to see if Lewis can, can continue his dominance in the 2022 car. And who knows, maybe it's not as dramatic of a change as we're saying, but that's the fun of this car change is that they don't happen every single year for the listener. These major car regulation changes happen once every decade, if that. Um, so next year, this offseason, it's a huge deal for what these teams um, you know, really spend their development money on and what the cars are going to look like next year are going to be so different than what, um, than what recent race fans, uh, are going to expect. Awesome. Um, I, I want to touch briefly on the fact that like there's some engine emission changes, um, which are, are good for the world and, um, um, good that F1 is, is starting to do more to, to be fuel efficient and, Johnny, I know you know more about some of that, those changes. and Yeah, that's funny. That's like a, a nice little bonus content kind of piece for, for the listener. I don't know enough about it. Um, this may be something that we'll just continue to keep our, keep our eyes on and, and, and maybe learn as we go. But I saw that, that Sebastian Vettel, um, who's been super, super eco-friendly this year. I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff that he's, he's been mentioned in the media for, like after races, Chase. He goes with the fans and cleans up trash from the from the bleachers and the stands. Like he goes in there that. with a trash bag and he cleans it up. That. He's there till the end and leaves super late after the race, just cleaning up trash. He has all the videos. We'll probably get it in next season of Drive to Survive where he's got his homegrown garden and eats everything like that that he has grown himself. Um, which is funny because if you go back six or you know seven years ago. 
he when he switched from Red Bull to Ferrari, he was the first guy to say, we need the V12 engines back, which is the opposite of of eco-friendly. I mean, that's your gas guzzler, super high power, Michael Schumacher engine that has that crazy sound that everybody's so used to for formula one he's the one that a while ago was like we need that performance back like that's what he attributed some of his lack of pace to when he initially transitioned from red bull to ferrari and so now um this past week he was in the uh kind of the pre-race content and was saying that formula one if they don't lead the charge with um changing engine emissions and having it all be kind of electric uh super high performance super friendly for the environment if they don't lead the charge on that all the other racing leagues we mentioned indycar um i'm not really sure what nascar is doing but but plenty of other racing leagues sebastian vettel was saying are beating formula one to the punch there and it's inevitably going to be the future is is not this gas guzzling formula one all paid for by giant petro companies it's going to be electric it's going to be being conscious of emissions and he made a crazy comment he was like if we don't figure this out now in the next five years formula one will be at the bottom of popularity in in no time which people are kind of laughing at but seb was pretty passionate yeah no i mean he's he's right on It's, it's important to have someone with a voice like his leading that charge um Let's let's go to this weekend and, and talk kind of um, what we're excited about for this for this Formula One Grand Prix. Um, I know we we do this segment where we talk track. Um, it's track talk because honestly, the, the tracks define a lot of these races. It's like fighters make style or styles make fights in, in boxing. Well, tracks make um, races in Formula One. So um, what do we have specific to this Austin um, racetrack that uh, will make things interesting and who's at favor? Yeah, that's a good question. I think historically, Lewis Hamilton has won the most races at at COTA, Circuit of the Americas in Austin. Um, it's about to be, I think, the 10th anniversary of Austin being back on the Formula One, Formula One calendar. Back in the earlier 2000s, they used to race it in, I think they used to race it in Indianapolis and they had a bad American Grand Prix and then it went away for, for, for some time. Even earlier before that, they used to race at Laguna Seca, um, and those tracks just aren't suitable for for um, the size of the race car nowadays. Um, so we won't be headed back, unfortunately, for for you and I, won't be headed back to Southern California for some time. But Austin was it was a custom made track, um, and I think like 2010 or 2011, uh, specifically for Formula One, and they signed a long term contract and. There's a ton of fanfare around it. Our our close buddy Matt McGinnis is in Austin now, and he's been talking. He's been talking the whole know. week um, about all the, the 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 car basically demonstrations, all the people that are there, all the Formula One cars that are in lobbies of hotel and hotels, and all the international travelers. So Austin's a super super fun fun place for this track to uh, to, to be first and foremost. Before we even get into track talk, like. It's just such a cool environment, it seems like, and all the racers really like it. Yeah, it's like a boom town. It's a town that's yeah, that's really like Tesla's uh, headquartering there now. So it's there's a lot a lot of activity, and I think um, perfect place to to be the the U.S. Grand Prix for the moment. Um, but um, yeah, specific to this track, um, I, I I know it's like 
basically built on a hill. Am I right on that? It's got like a... Yeah, the, the, the developers, like I was saying, when they, when they custom built this track for Formula One, so there are moments that you'll notice when you're watching the broadcast. Like the first hill, which is a... Or the first, right off the start, the first turn, which is a sharp left-hander, it's a crazy incline. Like it is a massive, massive hill. Um, which is pretty cool. And it's very wide. So it's one of the only circuits on the calendar where if you get an air, if you get a shot that's from the front of the hill chase, and you'll probably get it during the broadcast, um, you'll yep. see six, seven, eight cars at once versus on other tracks. Whenever you see a car, unless you're on an aerial, you know, they're, they're kind of uniform right behind each other, you know, give or take a couple of battles that are going on, which can be two or three cars wide, maybe, on that first turn in Austin with that hill, it's so wide and it's such a sharp left-hand turn that cars take all different types of racing lines. So it's one of the coolest turns, I would say, on the calendar. So that's off the bat. That's turn one. And that was designed um, off of kind of some other legendary tracks. Turns three through seven, by the way, is based on Silverstone, the UK Grand Prix, um, the, the famous Maggots and Beckett's complex so that's essentially like a giant zigzag from turns three through seven um that's similar to silverstone so yeah like the the developers of the austin circuit said if we're going to develop you know a track specifically to get formula one to come here and sign a contract with us we're just going to take the best parts of each circuit uh or some circuits rather and and that's kind of the baby that they that they ultimately had uh which is which is coda (laughs) I love it. No, it, it should be great. It's it's kind of fun to have those um those uh I guess not ripoffs, but um in the in the movie industry they 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 call those um uh tributes or you know like uh I, I'm blanking on the word, but uh, it'll it'll be great to have those um those features and it should be an awesome race. Like like you said, this has been a Mercedes owned track. I mean, just given the the time it's been in in the Formula One circuit and and has kind of overlapped with Mercedes dominance. So they've won five of the last six years here. Uh, but uh, there's no reason that um, Red Bull can't have a strong showing because uh, uh, like I've, like we've talked about, this is the closest championship race um, almost in the history of formula one. I mean, yeah, it's an, it's incredible. Like that's good point. I mean, when we talk about the track, like besides the fact that you have so many cool turns that are reminiscent of other tracks on the formula one calendar, 16, 17, and 18 are like Istanbul um, as well. So keep an eye out for those those turns. Um, but like the coolest part about this weekend to me, Chase, is how close everybody is in the standings. I was I was telling Matt as kind of like a, a preview for what he's going to see in person, which I'm, I'm 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 very jealous of. But Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are six points separated. You know, a, a, a number one finish here, a winning finish, gets you 25 points. A number two finish gets you 18. That's that's just a matter of a seven-point swing. So unless one of these drivers has a a really, really bad race or has something you know, catastrophic happen where they fall out of the points or has a DNF, right, because we talked about engine issues, this is a six-point lead right now for Max Verstappen. And that could totally change if Lewis Hamilton continues to dominate as he has in Austin, where Lewis Hamilton will be first you know, going into the next race. So it's super tight. Um, all it takes is just one mistake. And it's, it really comes down to, is it the 
numerous, numerous hundred race winner, Lewis Hamilton, that's likely to make the mistake. Probably not. It's, it's more likely the aggressive Max Verstappen, um, unless something crazy happens and we just see this absolute breakthrough of this giant star in F1 that everybody says is going to be Max Verstappen. Yeah, um, no, it, it's insane to, to see how close it is. And, and I would say, yeah, you have to credit in, in such a tight battle, the guy that's been there, that's won that. It's, it's hard to, to know. You see in a lot of sports, like until you're on the, on the podium and you've won before, the kind of the confidence to know how to do it again, it's, it's tough. Um, so Max has got his work cut out for him. And it's funny, uh, a driver we talked about a lot last time um, who ended up winning the, the Turkish Grand Prix is um, Valtteri Botas, who is not yeah. returning. Um, he will not be back with Mercedes, but looks like he's got the weight of the world lifted off his shoulders. It's, it's funny to see him drive that car without the expectation um, that he's, it's kind of not holding him back, but the, the pressure of, of being Lewis's number two. Yeah, totally. And I think that's like, if you look at the standings going down at like Valtteri Botas is number three, Sergio Perez is number five, Lando Norris is four, but Lando's likely probably going to slide back or maybe he stays there. I mean, he's had an incredible year. Um, so it's really a two horse race in the front, as we've known, which is Verstappen and Hamilton. So to your point about Botas and his success, like he may play as big of a part in holding off Verstappen um, as Lewis will, right? Because if Botas yeah. continues to be super quick as he has since he made the decision or ultimately it was made for him, right? To, for him to go to Alfa yeah. Romeo, he, he said in the media that, that some of his recent pace and sometimes like sometimes these Formula One guys can be a little bit dramatic or they feed into what the media is kind of yeah. like kind of like guiding them to say but he said oh yeah you know as soon as i made the decision and i knew that i had a seat for next year at alpha and that was finally over with it's been such a relief for me and that's why i've been driving faster it's like okay i mean i'm pretty sure you're an incredible racer i don't think that that's truly like i don't think that you were (laughs) you know on lap 35 and got passed up by like fernando alonso because you were thinking about if you were going to have a seat next year like i think these just guys go pedal to the metal regardless but they can be a little dramatic but yeah like if botas stays in the second slot here in austin lewis wins and max gets third that's the separation you need for a couple more of these races to ultimately win the championship hopefully that's how it happens whether it's perez holding off hamilton or Botas holding off, you know, Max. Like, that's kind of a fun way to get all teammates involved. And those number two guys will be really important. Hopefully, Chase, it's not... And maybe there are some fans that are kind of fingers crossed for this to happen, but hopefully it's not all the the nonsense that's been happening so far this year where Verstappen and Hamilton try to take each other out and hope that one of them can stay in the race and one of them is crashed out, you know? Because if if one of them does that and one of them wins... And the other person gets zero points. I mean, that could be a 25 point swing, which could just, you know, end it right there. So the the points race is crazy for this weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. It's insane. Um, It's all these races down the stretch. um, They just each one of them has a chance to to swing it. And um, I think as we look down the schedule, um, you've got Mexico. That's a street race. um, Probably favors Mercedes. You got Brazil um, potentially favoring Red Bull. Um, and then you've got the, the Middle Eastern races down the stretch with Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and Abu Dhabi. Um, yeah. It's just going to be back to back to back. I know the FIA has a 
sort of a vested interest in keeping this thing close. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out with some of the, the penalties given out and, um, and there could be drama there, but uh, no, I, I can't wait. Yeah. I think um, to, to tie up kind of the Verstappen, the Red Bull Mercedes, um, their battle, you know, we're, 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 we're in, we're in um, Austin now and we'll get to our predictions at the end of this pod. Um, but I think I think you're right. I think Mexico Mexico is a street track. I could definitely see Verstappen winning there. Um, that car does pretty well around around uh, Mexico City, um, but also Mercedes can too. And I and I see that being like a one two type finish. So I know Mercedes had had success there, but it doesn't mean that the Red Bull is not competitive. Um, yeah. And then I think that once we go to the Middle East, I think Qatar is is is, is basically a new track. Um, you have Abu Dhabi, um, you have, you have all the, you have Saudi Arabia, all, all three of those. That's usually where, where Hamilton just absolutely dominates, which is like worst case scenario for Verstappen because Verstappen could get, he needs in, in, in this chase Verstappen besides one of those, um, one of those scenarios we just explained where the number two driver holds Hamilton off or, there's some sort of incident between the two of them that favors Verstappen. Like the only way that Verstappen wins this championship, if he does what he needs to do, which is to win in Mexico city and maybe even win in, in Brazil and be competitive this weekend. Although I I do, and I'll get to it later. I think Lewis is going to win, but win win two of the next races and then just be competitive in the middle East. And I think Verstappen has a good chance. Otherwise, if he doesn't win two of the next three, I think Lewis is just, We've seen this story happen so many times, albeit this year it's so close, right? You mentioned it's the closest battle, but I still have, you know, if I'm a betting man, I'm putting it on Lewis and that's not a crazy take. Uh, I know. I mean, the way it's going back and forth, I, I, I could see Lewis just taking the lead back, um, quite, not quite handily, but, um, in a manner that, um, that, uh, just suggests that he, he may win the whole, whole damn thing. But it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, should we get into our predictions right now? I mean, you kind of s- spilled a little bit of it, but um, do you want to talk your predictions? Yeah, or maybe maybe I just lied so that I would I would guide you to, to take in that prediction. Yeah, let's go into <laughs> it. Um, so I I agree. I, I think Lewis wins this weekend. Um, I, he's going to have a lot of fans there. Um, people love Lewis. It's it's a track he knows well. Um, I just think we're going to see in qualifying that he's going to be very quick here and, and just sort of put on the, the master class of a race. Um, so I have Lewis one. I have Valtteri two. I think it's going to look a lot like the Mercedes of old where, wow. where you have those guys just kind of lapping the field and then Max ultimately in the third spot, which I, I like Max. I'm a Max supporter. I wanted to win the championship this year. I've been on record about that, but I think he takes third here. Loses some ground in the, in the race. <laughs> that is uh that's like the classic all, all the reddit pages and twitter reactions for the last honestly three years or whatever it's been they've they've made fun of formula one by saying they don't even need to tune in because they know that the results are going to be ham verbot or ham bot ver <laughs> so just all three of those guys in some sort of fashion always finish top three so yeah. i gotta say from our from our competitive prediction standpoint that's kind of a uh, a weak prediction. There's no there's no wild takes there. I think that's a safe I think that's a safe right, play to just try to get ahead in the standings. But 
for our millions of listeners, um, I will, I will, I will uh, continue <laughs> to be a trailblazer. And my predictions are, uh, I agree. I think Lewis finishes first. Um, okay. You I was not. Right uh, <laughs> uh, number two, I think is Max Verstappen. <laughs> and number three right, is Valtteri. No, I'm kidding. Leap. I'm kidding. Number three right. is. Go with your guy. Go with your guy. No, you I'm not going to go with my guy, but I'm going to go with Lando Norris because if I'm wrong and it ends up being Daniel Ricciardo, I'm a happy man. But I think that Lando <laughs> just has so much pace. And that brings like another thing up is besides the, the Mercedes Red Bull battle that we talked about, keep an eye on McLaren and Ferrari. Um, they, are, they are super, yeah. super tight for that battle. And if you're not a huge... Verstappen or Hamilton fan, or it becomes one of those bore fests, which Austin is usually not, by the way, there's a lot of overtaking opportunities. So this should be a really fun race. Um, but if you do want to keep your eye in the middle of the pack or hopefully at the top of the pack with my prediction, um, McLaren and Ferrari, like they are super close in the championship standings. Um, and both of the teams have, have a good pairing of drivers. So I think it's Lando. I think Lando gets back on the podium this weekend We'll just have to see. No, it's it'll be perfect. Honestly, it's it's going to be a great battle. Um, I, I I don't hate that pick. I, you know me. I love putting Lando in some predictions. Um, I think he's got so much face. And um, I didn't want to stray away from my last time. It was Leclerc, and he missed out by yeah. one spot. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, Why <laughs> would you? Why would you not just double down? Because he was super quick last time, and Ferrari. Ferrari was super, super quick last race. They have a new engine, um, like a new engine upgrade, not even just a replacement, but just an engine upgrade that they're, that's their last like tech improvement of the year. So Ferrari could be blisteringly quick. And if, oh. if Ferrari gets on the podium, I don't care because you didn't put a Ferrari in your top three. So as long as you don't get your patty cake, <laughs> uh, Hamver bot. Oh, I know I'm feeling bad. I just, I, I just, that's what I think is going to happen. <laughs> is that such a crime? I, I you know, I, 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 I don't want it to happen. I really don't. For, yes, you the, do. Yes, supporter, you do. As a supporter of the sport, as someone that loves to see, and a supporter of Max Verstappen, I would love to see him win. My my ideal, like, it would be, I do like the rivalry. I need Lewis to be in there. So I, ideally, this would be my dream podium. It'd be Max, Lewis, Danny Rick. Um, but I don't think we're going to see that. I think Valtteri has a lot of pace. I think all this my dream is about... My dream podium is Daniel Ricardo number one, Daniel Ricardo number two, and then Daniel <laughs> Ricardo number three. No, I, uh, my, mine's Danny number one, Verstappen number two, and then I want to see Fernando Alonso on a podium this year. If that can somehow yeah. happen, that guy is such a good racer. <laughs> um, he, he's he's a pretty funny dude. So yeah, that'd be, that'd be really cool. But. Yeah, we'll see. The race times for, for, for awesome. the listener are so much better for us. Finally, America gets uh, gets a race time. Yeah. So what do you, you know the race in. times just in case somebody's listening? Let's see. I'm just going to pull them up. Um, so practice is, is, is on Friday. Um, so first practice session is at 930 in the morning on ESPN2. Second practice session is at 1 p.m. on ESPN2. That's for the F1 nerds. Chase and I watch those. That's just to see kind of where the pace is at for the weekend. Um, Saturday morning, right before qualifying at 11 a.m., there's the final practice session, which can kind of give you a guide to what the overall pace is for those cars for the weekend. 
Qualifying is at two o'clock on Saturday. So these are all so much better. So an afternoon slot right during your college football showings on Saturday for qualifying. And then the actual race. Yeah. The actual race is at noon on yeah, Sunday, on which is TV. a lot easier than our 6am wake ups. So, um, looking forward to cool. it this weekend. Oh, it'll be great. We'll, we'll do a little afternoon post. Yeah. I'm, We'll be recapping it on the pod, so you got to catch us on Sunday. We'll be live. Um, but no, it's honestly, it's like a culmination of like a great fucking championship race. A lot of Americans getting into the sport, and then just a, a beautiful Austin um, blossoming of um, Boomtown. So I, I think it, it's it, it's a perfect storm for a lot of things, and uh, can't wait to watch Johnny. I I got to run, but um, we will be talking a lot more this this week and into the weekend. I'm sure. <laughs> Awesome. Well, um, take it easy. Thank you, everyone that's listening. Um, We'll be back on Sunday. Listen up. All righty. See ya. See ya.